Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, this is another episode of All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee and she is Tam. Hey, (laughs) I kept it simple today. That's all the energy you got for today. (laughs) I got more energy than that. I just thought I would keep it simple. Oh, okay. There's nothing wrong with simplicity. And how was your weekend, Tam? Weekend was great. I don't know why I can never remember exactly what I did on the weekend, but it was awesome. As that commercial says, awesome sauce. Yeah. Anything exciting? I don't remember. Oh, no, wait. (laughs) I went to a beauty conference on Saturday. And then there was that polo match, but I didn't go to the polo match. And then on Sunday, I kind of chilled out and watched some NASCAR. For us in California, NASCAR usually comes on early. So, you know, I prepared to be on Twitter. I don't know. Is that a life? Is that exciting? Well, it can be exciting for some people who uh, live off of Twitter, which uh, really, I think, is underestimated. There's a lot of people that live off Twitter, so it's a good good possibility. Well, how was your weekend, Renee? Actually, my weekend was uh, pretty interesting. I actually had a couple of shows up north, uh, up in Northern uh, California. As you all know, and if you don't know, um, I do do stand-up comedy as well. And if you'd like to, you can Google me under Renee Garcia, a comedian, and you can find out some interesting stuff about my stand-up career. But uh, I had a couple of shows up north in a small town called Merced, California. I made it up there and back safely, obviously. And a weekend full of uh, fun and excitement a little bit. Came back and made it just in time to watch the last fourth quarter of watching my Cowboys beat the uh, Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. And, how about uh, those Cowboys? How about those Cowboys? I think even Cowboy haters are actually impressed by these new and improved rookie Cowboys. They're very exciting. For once in a in a long time, Tam, I have to be honest with you, I'm very excited about this team and they look fantastic and they look pretty scary to a lot of other people. <laughs> well, I was watching some of the sports programs this morning and the Cowboys are definitely a hot topic because what do you do with Tony Romo? Yeah, my feeling was that if the Cowboys and Dak Prescott go into Green Bay and not only do they win in Green Bay, but if Dak Prescott even has remotely a sign of just any remotely way of having a great game and looking that impressive in Lambeau Field, there's no way you can bring back Tony Romo. There's absolutely no way you bring him back in. And and I'm a big believer in Tim. I don't know about you, but I'm a big believer in I don't like to fix anything that's not broken. Well, before we jump into some NASCAR talk, I will add this about your Cowboys. In the words of the man that is the quarterback at Green Bay, I'm just going to sip some whiskey on that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I hope it's some good whiskey. Yeah. Um, Well, let's jump into this race. So Yeah, let's do it, Tam. I mean, look who comes through when he's uh, backed up into a corner. This guy just seems to uh, rise above the occasion when he's in trouble and he's got his back against the wall. Congratulations to Kevin Harvick. The number four car is your winner. And uh, and not that this is going to be surprising, Tam, and it shouldn't be surprising to either one of us or to any of the fan, uh, NASCAR fans out there, but somehow Kevin Harvick seems to find a way to get it done when he needs to get it done. He was my dark horse, and I uttered those exact words 
last week on the podcast, I said Kevin Harvick always finds a way to get it done. And he did exactly that. It was a great race. It wasn't as many cautions. And I'm not going to lie, I did those off for about 10 minutes, and but it was like a mental break. I told myself, brush your eyes. You know how the old folks always say, well, I'm just yeah. resting my eyes. I told myself, rest your eyes for about 50 laps and nothing will happen. And sure enough, nothing happened. It was a nice, much needed power nap. But the race itself was a great race. I was a little sad about a few things that happened, but at the same token, it's like, look, Kevin Harvick, he is a racer. Moving into the next round, you want to see the best of the best. And we have Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson, two of the best of the best who are already into the next round. Yeah. And my dark horse, which I picked, Matt Kenseth, came in ninth. And we'll discuss that here in a minute. I'm just looking at this whole thing as this whole chase unfolds. And I will say this one thing, this one last thing about Kevin Harvick. And if I can, you know, kind of relate this to like baseball or basketball, he's just like one of those guys who just shows up when you need him to show up. Does that make any sense? Like, absolutely. Like, like one of those players that may not hear a lot of, or maybe quietly hear like during the season, but when it counts, this guy knows how to bring it. It's interesting because while Kevin Harvick is showing up, poor Chase is showing out, meaning as in not doing much. He's on the out. Yeah. And it's got to be a huge disappointment, not only to him, but his entire team, because it just seems like one thing after another. And as he quoted himself after the race, he was quoted as saying, I just don't know what to do, unquote. But I think he's right. I think you get to a point where as a driver, you, you just kind of have to throw your hands in the air and go, I don't know what else to do. I just like, I can't predict any of this stuff to happen. And it just keeps happening, Tam. I don't know what it is. It's mind-boggling because last week, I still was a little bit confused as to how he got caught up in the whole accident situation when, in fact, it was Martin Truex who bumped Austin Dillon. Right. And he was in the lane over. Out of all drivers, it had to be Chase. Yeah, but it's just like, I don't know if this is what we have kind of coined as Martin Truex Jr. luck. And he needs to just ride it through. But he has some bad luck on both shoulders. Yeah. His words, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what to tweet sometimes. <laughs> it's just crazy to me. Just a quick recap on our Kansas top 10. Of course, you already know Kevin Harvick won. Carl Edwards came in second. Joy Logano yeah. third. Jimmy Johnson fourth. Kyle Busch, all that guy do is win, 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 but he hasn't as of late, 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 came in fifth. Austin Dillon came in sixth. Here's a name. Alex Bowman came in seventh. AJ Armadinger. Hey, AJ. Yeah, how about came that? in eighth. Matt Kenseth, ninth. Casey Kane. And of course, we're going to jump into some Casey Kane talk because this guy every week, top 10. Now, yeah. some other notable drivers that are chase drivers that place outside the top 10 include Martin Truex, number 11th. Kurt Busch, number 13, Denny Hamlin, poor Denny Hamlin, because he just had a time this past Sunday. He came in 15th and Chase Elliott 31st. 
Wow. Yeah. On that note, I guess we should just pretty much jump right into, well, we can talk about Casey Kane. I don't know. You want to talk about Casey Kane or you want to go into the chase? Well, we could could touch on Casey real quick. Uh, And I just want to say this because I do want to respect Casey Kane fans out there because I know Casey Kane fans are very much happy with what's happening right now. But it's almost like I'm telling myself, is Casey Kane in the chase and we don't know about it because like he he's like driving as if he's in the chase and he's driving very very well and just like we've said over and over again it, i mean a, a little too late nevertheless i'm really happy for the guy i'm glad he's racing really well but maybe hopefully this will just kind of like spill over into next year the way he's driving now maybe he can have that kind of success at the beginning of the next season and going into the entire season of next year so i'm really happy for the guy tam It's interesting that you said that because there was an article on motorsports.com by Jim Utter that we posted to our Twitter account. Our username on Twitter is turns no breaks. Again, username on Twitter is turns no breaks. And the title simply says Casey Kane quote, I'd love to get a win and I think we can do it at Kansas unquote. This article tweeted from our account on Twitter Guess what, Renee? It was actually favored by 28 other users. Now, only was it favored or liked by 28 other users. It was retweeted 21 times, which is crazy. That shows you how many Casey King fans are out there that are watching and listening and waiting on this guy to do something. Now, a fan actually tweeted us and asked us, what was it all about? What did we think? And all I could respond and say is that this guy is driving for his job at Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. Yeah, I mean, what else is there to say? You're not in the chase and all of a sudden you're showing up. Where were you at for the first so many (laughs) races of the season? And I think you're right. And what's funny is that and this would go for any driver, I think, A.J. Allmendinger, I think, Clinton Boyer. If any of these guys were having any of the success that Casey Kane is having right now, all of their fans would show up on Twitter as well. Uh, all of their fans would show up on all these social media outlets uh, all at the same time as well. So I totally get it. I understand. I don't know. But I just it's so funny because it's just like Casey Kane out of all people who just had a disastrous year. He's racing his butt off. And if that's the case where he's racing for his job, I totally agree, Tam. I think he hit it right on the head. Here's the bottom line to it. Casey is the low man on the totem pole. Even with Dale Jr. out, he's the low man on the totem pole. It's pretty much how I foresee everything at Hendrick. You have Dale Jr., Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, and then Casey King. That's it. And to be honest, I would even put Jeff Gordon above Casey King, and he's not even racing anymore. How about that? (laughs) Having visited Hendrick Motorsports. And it's interesting because I was looking back at some of the photos day before yesterday from my trip at Hendrick Motorsports. There are photos and things of Casey King, but honestly, when I went, when you first walked in, there was Dale Jr.'s car and there was, I believe it was Jimmy Johnson's car. There was Dale Jr. on the elevator and... Actually, you know what? Let me retract that. I think all four of them were on the elevator. There were photos on the elevator. But nonetheless, you can tell who was the dominant drivers. And Casey Kane was not one of them. And I'm sure now Chase Elliott's face is all over Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's going to be our segue because, you know, I always love to say Chase is in the chase. 
So yeah. really quick, next week is our eliminator round. We're going to go down to a round of eight. Right now, just to recap, we have 12 drivers. If you didn't know, which I'm sure you do because you are a NASCAR fan, we have 12 drivers that are in the chase. Jimmy Johnson is number one when it comes to points. Matt mm-hmm. Kenseth, number two. Kyle Busch, Carl Edwards, Kurt Busch, Martin Truex Jr. in six. Kevin Harvick is in 7th, Joy Logano, Austin Dillon, Denny Hamlin in 10th, Brad Keselowski in 11th, and Chase Elliott, Chase who is in the chase, is in the bottom, and he's in number 12th. Now, yeah. we already know, although Jimmy is in the number one spot in points, he's already made it through to the eliminator round because he won, and Kevin Harvick just won. So, although Kevin's in 7th, he's on to the next round. And doesn't yeah. have to worry about the monster that is Talladega. What's yeah. really interesting, Dylan, Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, and Chase at this point are our four drivers that would not make it into the round of eight if it started today. Renee, who do you have? And we talked about this last week, but circumstances have changed again. And we're going to Talladega where nobody's safe. Who do you think is not going to make it into the round of eight? Wow, this is so tough when it starts to get into crunch time like this. <laughs> There's some names that I don't want to say. I'm going to have to say them because this is just the way that I see it. But right off the bat, I can tell you this. A couple of names that I tell you that won't make it. Right off the bat, I will say just because of those. And we talked about it just a few minutes ago. Just the kind of dark cloud that he has over him. I don't see Chase Elliott making it into the next round for sure. I definitely don't see that happening. Surprisingly, this is where it gets interesting. It's pretty obvious that I kind of am a a huge Team Penske fan. I just feel like Team Penske during this whole chase has kind of been up and down, whether it's Joey Logano or this past weekend with Kislowski and his car just being ripped apart by having that little wreck. Well, what's crazy is it was the grass that took his car apart. While As he's to coming watch. off the track, he hits the grass and the front of his car just gets obliterated. That's so wild. But even with that happening, Tam, I still see Kislowski getting into the next round. It's Joey Logano that I see is going to be the guy who doesn't get in. And that's painful to say coming out of my mouth because I really like both of these drivers. I like the whole Team Penske guys. Joey Logano is the one guy that I see that is not going to make the chase that I normally wouldn't have said that. But for some reason, I just think that the way that the race has been going for both of these guys, Joey is the one that I see on the outside and going to be on the outside looking in. Okay, so you still have two more people to pick. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, because you have Chase... You have Joy. Right. (laughs) Surprisingly, and this is going to sound crazy, surprisingly, I do see Austin Dillon making the next round. It's Kurt Busch that I see not making Ah, the next round. Ah, Kurt. Yes. And the other guy, the fourth guy that I see not making it, oh boy, and this is going to be tough for me to say as well. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't see Denny Hamlin making the next round either, and I hate to say that. And you have to pick somebody, I know that, and I'm just basing it on what I've seen in the last several races. And I wanted to kind of say Matt Kenseth, but I'm sticking with Matt Kenseth because I believe in that team. I believe that they will find a way to get it together. And then I really hate to say Danny Hamlin, but I don't see Danny Hamlin getting into the next round. How about yourself, Tam? And I know there's got to be some surprises that you might have, but those are mine. 
Renee, I'm going to get right to it. This is a hard decision and it's an unpredictable decision because as we know, Talladega is unpredictable in yep. no particular order. I am going to go with these four guys. Are you ready? Are you holding on to your seat? I am. Kurt Busch, Austin Dillon, Brad Keselowski, and Denny Hamlin. Mm. And I know that is a fool's pick because Chase, who's currently in the chase, is in number 12 and he's at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a reason why I'm going with Chase. I want to hear this. Well, I'm not going to tell you to the end of the show. How about that? <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to do that. Of course I, I, I had a feeling do that. you were going to do that to me. I'm going to need somebody to write this down so they can remind me that I just bet some fool's gold. How about that? Nope. Okay. All right. And I'm not I'm... even going to repeat my picks because I know they were so awful. And yeah. they, that... <laughs> I don't even but you want know to what? hear it. But I will tell you this, Tab, and I want to hear from our listeners that listen to our podcast. I would really love, and I'm sure Tam would too, we would really love to know who your top four are that will not make it into the next round. And if you have a surprising name that you want to throw into the mix, I don't know, maybe somebody doesn't see somebody that we don't see that not making it to the next round. Please tweet us. Please let us know on our Instagram and you can uh, hit us up on our social media. Right, Tam? Exactly. So I'm actually going to make this a question on our Twitter account. So make sure to answer on our Twitter account. I'm going to post this on our Facebook account and on our Instagram account. You can leave a comment and then we'll post it on our website. And if you guys haven't, the website is actually great. We don't post a lot of content, but we post the content that matters. It is a wealth of information and it's just a great recap because we post all the links from all the websites that cover NASCAR once or twice a week. So you don't even have to go to those other websites. You can come to us to www.allturnsnobreaks.com come and get all the news in one post how about that yeah okay so let's jump into alex bowman yeah and dale jr's tweet i feel bad we never talk about dale well we talked about him every episode and then maybe we just haven't brought him up the last two or three i don't yeah. know i feel like we may always be talking about him i don't know okay he's still relevant let's be honest dude even when he's not relevant he's still relevant it's kind of like the yankees even when they're not doing well they're still talking about him you know what i mean so that's just the way dale jr is that's how the cowboys are not the yankees yeah. <laughs> no you're absolutely right but uh you know i think the great thing about what transpired this past weekend going into the whole alex bowman dale jr thing as we both know tam alex bowman finished in a very very good i believe he finished seventh is that correct yes yeah, seventh yeah and uh, he did it not feeling very well uh, and Dale Jr. tweeted this and I don't know if you saw the tweet I'm sure you did but if you haven't seen the tweet and I'm talking to our listeners please look this up because Dale Jr. tweeted a picture of Alex Bowman literally right after the race getting an IV of fluids because Alex Bowman was sicker than a dog and how he pulled that off is beyond me Tim. Yeah Dale was given a slap on the wrist for tweeting that photo of Alex laid up in the medical center getting an IV but to be honest I loved it because it actually brought some realness to the situation yeah. okay so let's move on to my man Mr. Five Hour Energy Clint Boyer Clint Boyer Clint Boyer Clint Boyer okay Clint Boyer cannot wait to drive for Stuart Haas and guess what 
I cannot wait for this guy to make the jump either. What about you, Renee? You know what? I think I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing him back being relevant again. Kind of Casey Kane-ish, if you will. Let's be honest, Clint Boyer didn't have the greatest year either. And as I was reading this article about him and moving back over to a better team, and I not to insult the team that he was on, but I was reading this article and I was reading the things that he was saying. And Tam, basically what he was saying is he's learned a lot this past year being on the team that he was on. And I think it kind of like opened even my eyes to a lot of things that maybe I'm not aware of and maybe I don't see all the time. But he was saying how being on a team where you don't have access to maybe the best equipment, maybe the best type of uh, cars to drive. He was sitting back there in the back of the pack and he understood how hard those guys drive back there and not to at all whatsoever disrespect anybody that I'm going to say but when you're fighting back there and you're driving back there with the Casey Mears and the Danica Patricks those kind of drivers he realized how hard that they actually really really drive to make those cars uh, compete with the Kevin Harvick's with the Jimmy Johnson's with the Kyle Bush's with uh, Brad Keselowski's and it's tough and it's tough when you don't have access to a lot of good cars and a lot of good equipment that will make you competitive and I think he understood that and it opened his eyes this year to that I'm looking forward to this guy moving on to a, a better team with better equipment and I'm looking forward to seeing this guy back at the top of the pack we're used to seeing him at NASCAR needs Clint Boyer Regardless, they need to unmuzzle this guy and let him be the Clint that he was a couple of years ago before all the drama with the Chase and Jeff Gordon two or three years ago. He yeah. has personality. I can't speak on this enough, this thing called personality. I don't care how great you are and what sports you're playing. Personality rules. People say yeah. when you win, all is forgiven. Yeah, that's true. But it's personality that drives sports. Whether it's a Odell Beckham and all his foolishness and antics right. and blonde hair. Tim Tebow, he is a personality. Whether we love or hate everything that this guy is about, it's his personality that propels and drives him further. And I just watched the sports program. They spent 20 minutes talking about this guy in not even the minor leagues. He's in like the 5A triple 10 league, not even a practice squad, you know, and we're talking about Tim Tebow and his baseball career. It's yeah. the personality that drives everything. Whether it's a personality you agree with or not, it is what we talk about. NASCAR has no heroes. It has no villains. Now, granted, somebody will argue with me. Yeah, we do have some villains because, yeah, let's face it, people hate Kurt Busch. They hate Joey Logano and, of course, Bad Brad Keselowski. But in the reality, where is the villain? There's like no superheroes in NASCAR. I hope that's yeah. coming across the way I'm trying to convey it. There's always a good and a bad, a great and an evil. It's always, you know, it's superhero-ish. That's yeah. the way sports is. Whether it's Jerry Jones not wanting to give up hope that Tony Romo will one day become something. Whether it's him not wanting to fire the bum of a coach that they have. And if you guys don't know, I'm going real hard on the Cowboys today. <laughs> There's always a good and a bad. There's always a hero and a villain. There's always personality. 
I feel like sometimes NASCAR is missing that. But I'm not going to go on a whole tantrum. While we're speaking on this whole Clint Boyer over to Stuart Haas, I want to talk a little bit about the situation with Jimmy Johnson and his comments about Stuart Haas this past weekend. Right. So... Jimmy was quoted as saying that or describing the relationship between Hendrick and Stuart Haas racing as a less than a ideal working relationship. Right. There was a lot of back and forth about whether or not they did, in fact, share information. Jimmy said one thing. Hendrick Motorsports GM Doug Duchart clarified his comments and said another thing. At the end of the day, I feel like Jimmy let something slip that should not have been said and it was blown out of proportion. What do you think? That pretty much sounds what it was to me. And I think maybe he just, he made a comment. If he could go back and just kind of like take that back, I'm sure he would in a heartbeat. But I think you're right, Tim. I think he hit it right on the head. It was just something he said. And the media is the media. It doesn't matter what sport it is. They're going to take something and they're going to run with it, even if it's the smallest thing. And they can make the smallest thing into a bigger thing than what it is. I think that's probably what happened here. Basically, what I got out of this was, I think Jimmy was just saying, hey, look, if there's a way we can avoid sharing information and having relationships with other teams who have elite caliber drivers. I'd rather not do it that way because we are racing against them. If we give them access to our data and they can use it to their advantage, I'd rather not do that. And I think that's maybe just that that's what he was saying. I don't think he meant any harm by it, uh, to, to be honest with you. I kind of understand what he was saying, and I totally get it. If two football teams or two basketball teams are kind of sharing data, well, our information about how they practice or whatever, and another team can take that and use it to their advantage, and then you meet that person in the playoffs, and then they use your own data against you, then I can see where that can be a problem. I think that's what he was just trying to say, in all honesty. But I'd have to agree. Why would you even want to do that? And especially like when it comes back to a chase instances like this, where you're trying to compete and you're trying to battle to go to the next round, you wouldn't want to have another team have their drivers use the same data against you to eliminate you and maybe move on to the next round so i guess i can kind of see that it's kind of tricky and it's kind of weird on how this whole thing came out tam but if anybody's confused just as much as the next person is don't feel bad because i was a little confused and i actually had to read that article several times before i got it but that's pretty much what i got from it from there Okay, Renee, we're not, well, we're media, but we're fans. You know what? We're fans with an expert opinion. So as fans with our expert opinion, we're going to leave it at that. Yeah. So we're going to leave it at that as far as Jimmy's comments on the whole Hendrick Stewart Haas situation. But we are going to talk about Jimmy Johnson's helmet. Renee, I know you saw Jimmy's helmet with the Intimidator on one side and the King Richard Petty on the other side. Yeah, I did see that, Tam, and I watched a snippet of that interview. I'm not exactly sure if there was a hidden message behind there or not, but what I do think is maybe there was a little bit of both. I think there was a little bit of both of trying to chase his seventh win and trying to chase the number seven. <laughs> I think it was a little bit of both because I think a driver just sometimes when, especially after a win, and let's be honest, he didn't have the greatest year, but in this chase, he seems to have 
turned it up a notch, a la Kevin Harvick a little bit. And sometimes I think a driver just needs a little bit of mental push to get himself consistent. Not only is he looking to win his seventh, because let's be honest with you, if you ask Jimmy Johnson right now, would you like to win your seventh? You're darn right he would. So, but I just think he's just trying to be focused and he's trying to be consistent and not only move on to the next round eight, but he's trying to move on to make sure that he moves into the top four and then to the final two. So you call it what you want and anybody can say what they want about that and what they perceive that to be. But I think it's a little bit of both. And I think he's just trying to stay focused and he's just trying to be consistent at the same time. Have fun with it. Okay, so let me understand what you just said, Renee. So you're saying Jimmy Johnson purposely wore that helmet for two things. One, for motivation, and two, to have fun. Is that your take on it? Yeah, pretty much. So my take on it, Renee, is very simple. I think he wore that helmet to send a message. Yeah. Now, the message is don't mess with Mr. Six Time because I'm coming for the seventh time. That's what I thought. Yeah. Renee, NASCAR title sponsorship. We're all waiting for this to happen. But just as uncertain as the future is of NASCAR, it seems as if this title sponsorship is uncertain. We're already into mid-October and there have been no announcements. And it seems as if negotiations are still happening. Hmm. It's mind-boggling to me. I think it was maybe four or five episodes ago where we kind of picked who we thought would be the sponsors. Actually, you know, it's interesting. I wonder if there is a NASCAR betting line on who will become the sponsor. Because you know you can bet on just about anything in sports when it comes to Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. You know, they even have, you can place a bet on the coin toss in the Super Bowl. So that would be interesting to see if there's a betting line to see who will take over as NASCAR's new sponsor. So far from everything that I've read, NASCAR is looking for a billion dollars for 10 years. A billion. That's a B, not a million, a billion. Interesting. Very interesting considering that the last deal that they had was for uh, $750 million for 10 years. And if you recall, that deal was actually signed by Nextel and Sprint was bought by Nextel. And when they bought them, they took over the sponsorship. And what ended up happening was they extended the sponsorship for an additional three years at 50 mil. And that entailed some licensing stuff and some extra stuff that was given to Sprint to extend the sponsorship. So it's just going to be interesting if they got that amount previously I'm not sure why they think someone's going to give them $7 billion for another 10 years when the sport is in decline. It sounds like a lot of money, Tam. I mean, you're going a billion dollars. You're going, wow. But as you know, and I think most NASCAR fans know, NASCAR is a money-making machine more than you could possibly imagine. Whatever the sponsorship is going to be, you better come with it to the table. <laughs> yeah, but the issue is very simple. NASCAR makes money, but they're losing money because fans aren't coming to the stands. So to ask for this kind of money, more money than your last deal is just a little mind boggling. As I always say, I think I like that word. Did I not? Is that not the third time that I've used it in uh, this episode? Okay. Mind boggling. Yeah. For the fourth time. Mind boggling. Yeah, but, but if it fits the circumstances, I think it's okay. A billion does not fit the circumstances, Renee. Okay. Here's the rule number one for negotiating. Go high because you're going to come back down low. So maybe that is their 
intentions to ask for a billion and to settle on 850 million. But again, a billion for NASCAR, I don't know. It's a sport that I love and I do plan my weekends around it. But reality is I'm not really understanding a billion. But hey, you know what? More power to anyone who has a billion dollars, any brand who can go out and slap their name on NASCAR. Hey, more power to them. Now, we touched on it a little bit, and that's the attendance situation. Right. Again, you're asking for a billion dollars for a sport that's in decline. Just, you know, to kind of give you some figures, this came out a quarterly report recently from the International Speedway Corporation that although attendance is up 1% from last year, and that's primarily thanks to Daytona because Daytona with the new track being unveiled, the rising of Daytona, there was a record amount of people in attendance that pushed attendance up 1%. However, For that 1%, a whole bunch of tracks, including Michigan, saw declines. Now, again, you want $1 billion for a decline in attendance and a decline in revenue. Very interesting to me. And there was also a decline in advanced ticket purchases, meaning that yeah. fans aren't buying tickets in advance. You know, I will say this when it comes to that particular issue there. Like, I understand, just like any other sport, and I understand that you have to maybe raise ticket prices when it comes to, like, playoffs and the chase and stuff like that because now you're talking about a bigger stage. But when we go back and look at the regular season and you're still having a problem with the decline in ticket purchases, then it makes it more understandable what what you're talking about when you're asking for this kind of money and you're having a decline in attendance at these races. So it makes sense. I mean, it makes sense of why there's maybe a decline in ticket purchases during the chase. They're already expensive and now you're going to almost double the price to get to a race to watch the chase. I like the way that that rhymed, but anyway, uh, (laughs) it it doesn't make any sense when you're just having a regular race during the season and you're still having a problem trying to get people to fill the seats. And I know we talked about this earlier during the season, Tim, on a latter episode that we did where we talked about NASCAR was going to try next year to cut down the prices to make it a little bit more affordable for the average fan to come. Because just like anything else, Tim, it's tough to even go to a baseball game, a football game. And I mean, prices that you'll have to pay for a hot dog or a hamburger or even a beer, uh, they're outrageous. So they can get expensive. But when we were talking about NASCAR, we were talking about the headache it is just to uh, find a place to uh, get a hotel, drive there, all these other things that you have to worry about, and then buy the ticket to get into the race, and then buy whatever merchandise that you want to buy from your favorite driver. It starts to add up, you know? Well, I think I shared this on the podcast once before, but when I went to Super Bowl in New York a couple of years ago, I was standing in line at the concession stand and the guy in front of me ordered four hot dogs and four beers and it was a hundred plus dollars and I for the life of me was trying to wrap my head around it and again it was over a hundred dollars because I kept saying well even if a beer is ten dollars and a hot dog is ten dollars which is just crazy because you can buy a pack of eight hot dogs for what four dollars I was like this is still not adding up because at the most it's twenty dollars for a hot dog and a beer so that was eighty dollars however it was a hundred and something dollars yeah and a case of beer could only cost you maybe like 10 
$11. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I don't know what to say. It'll just be interesting. I'm still curious to see who is going to become the sponsor. I think maybe Budweiser Farmers Insurance. I think it's, again, going to be somebody that's already in the sport. But who knows? We will have to wait and see. So, Renee, let's talk about some fan comments. It's actually one of my favorite parts of the show because the fans, NASCAR fans, those very fans that we are talking about that aren't putting their butts in the seats, they say some crazy things sometimes. And what are they saying this weekend? Well, there are a bunch of things, and it's not even really that crazy. But I do want to acknowledge a few comments. So remember last week, we addressed the issue as to whether or not we believe cup drivers should race in the Xfinity series chase. Correct. Apparently, maybe, you know, we were on to something, but that became a hot topic this week. So much so that Steve O'Donnell had to address it. And if you guys don't know, you know, Steve O'Donnell, Google him. He's he's a big wheel over at NASCAR. He was actually on Sirius XM radio on the NASCAR radio talking about his thoughts and that NASCAR is actually considering limiting cup drivers in both lower series next season. So meaning that there will be no cup drivers in the Xfinity or Camping World Series. And I think that's probably going to end up being just restricted to the chase. But we'll see. Right. But nonetheless, so Sirius XM NASCAR, they posted a snippet of the audio on Twitter. And of course, the fans went in and they had a lot to say. So most notable, there was a comment from Jordan Bianchi. And if you guys don't know, Jordan Bianchi is a notable NASCAR sports writer. He wrote interesting, very interesting. Now, for someone of his, you know, stature to write that, he's kind of, I feel like on our page, it is interesting. It is very interesting. At some point, make a decision. NASCAR tends to prolong making decisions and then they make decisions in the middle of the season when it makes no sense. Every other sport, whether it be baseball, the NFL, or the NBA, they make decisions before the season. Only NASCAR makes decisions during the season. So nonetheless, some other comments that were made on the tweet by Sirius XM NASCAR were, I think the cup driver shouldn't be in the Xfinity chase. Another user also wrote, this is the most right thing to do. They should not be in the chase at all. Maybe before the chase, not after. Another commenter said, this is 10 years overdue, but I'll take it. I don't buy NXS forward slash CWTS tickets to see cup drivers win. What's interesting is this commenter is saying that he doesn't think cup drivers should be in the Xfinity or the Camping World Series, period. I kind of disagree on that. I just don't think that they should be in the chase. What do you think, Renee? I'm pretty much with you. I'm okay with them doing both during the regular season. And just like I stated earlier about when we first talked about this topic, I do think that when it comes to the chase, I think they should totally take them out of the Xfinity series. And just to recap why I said that is just because I, I just don't want, you know, the guys that are in the chase leaving themselves susceptible to injury or something bad that would take them out of competing in the chase. I mean, they, these are guys that they worked their butts off. They drove their butts off during the regular season to get into the chase. And I would hate to see anything happen to where that would hinder them to not be able to compete during the chase. Yeah, uh, Renee, it, not to cut you off, but I just want to interject and say one thing. 
but that's just like telling them not to go race at these dirt tracks and things like that like we already know what happened to tony stewart and how exactly. he got injured but the reality is these guys just like the race so you know racing in the xfinity league they're gonna assume the risk of injury like yeah, that's and you know what you're you're absolutely right and i totally get that the, and and you, i think you hit it perfectly these are guys that just love to race and they're gonna go race anywhere and it doesn't matter what it is I, I i think if these guys could they would they would foot race if they if they if they could that's how oh much my they god love to that race. just gave me a flashback to ricky bobby talladega night when yeah. at the end the car wrecks and then they get out and they're running on foot <laughs> <laughs> which is one of my favorite movies and you're oh, right yes it's so true one other comment I wanted to add was from another user, and this will sum up everything we're talking about. He said, quote, pretty funny considering us fans have been bitching about this for years. I'm going to leave it at that because as fans, we do bitch a lot. But you know what? We wouldn't have to bitch if the NASCAR powers to be got it right. True. Okay, Renee, it is time for predictions. Yes, you got? predictions, predictions, predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Ah, uh, it's always my favorite time of the podcast when we come to predictions. Not because it's the uh, coming towards the end of the show. It's just that I always like to throw out my predictions more or less because I want to see who else has the same kind of predictions as I do. And then plus I look forward to class in session with Tam. But here we go with my predictions. Uh, and this is just going to come out as I say it. I know I talked about this guy earlier in the podcast. And just looking at his history, Talladega has been good to this guy. And he's always raced well at Talladega. I'm still going to use him as one of my winners. But I'm going to use him as my dark horse. Only because of the luck he's been having lately. I will say who is going to win this race, I do see Matt Kenseth winning Talladega. I don't know why, but I just feel that Matt Kenseth is going to pull it together and he's going to come out of nowhere and win that race. My dark horse, which is what I was alluding to a few minutes ago, I could totally see Brad Kislowski with his back against the wall, needing a win and making it happen because Talladega has been good to him and he's always raced well at Talladega. I can see Brad Kislowski as my dark horse winning this race, but I see Matt Kenseth winning the race straight up. Okay. Did you do your homework? Because it sounded like you knew a little something about what you were talking about. Yeah. Okay, well, class is in session with Tam. And I'm going to give you the history lesson that you have been waiting for. So, our last five winners at Talladega during the month of October were, in 2015, Joey Logano. 2014, Brad Keselowski. 2013, Jamie McMurray. 2012, Matt Kenseth. And, mama, that goes that man. 2011, Clint. Boy, you're Mr. Five Hour Energy. Now, what's really interesting is that, to Renee's point, Brad has done very well at Talladega. Brad is a four time winner in the Cup Series at Talladega. Since we all know Renee rides the back of the Penske guys, another interesting fact is that Joey Logano last year went back to back winning the Cup and the Xfinity race at Talladega. My picks, though? <sighs> so this is why I did not go into details as to who I chose not to be in the top eight after the race. Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to go on a limb and as unpredictable as Talladega can be, I'm going to do something unpredictable and I am going to go with Chase Elliott as my winner. Wowza. 
That is wowzer. a wowzer because that is that is not even a fool's bet. That is that's playing with fire. I don't know. That, yeah, that's how to even describe foolish. that one. But yeah, no, I'm gonna go with Chase Elliott. I don't know. I'm sticking to my pick that this guy is gonna win a race during the chase. Hopefully, he'll win it before he's kicked out the chase. But yeah. I'm gonna go with Chase Elliott. And my dark horse is really crazy because if this guy does not do something. I'm going to actually drive to the next race all the way from Los Angeles. I don't care whether it's Phoenix or Houston or, excuse me, Dallas. And I'm going to personally have a conversation with him. And that's Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth is there, but he's not there. Something's always happening. And I just personally don't get it. He was disappointed in himself last week. And I'm like saying to myself, I've been disappointed in you for the last four or five weeks that I've picked you to win the race. So on that note, I am going to go with Chase Elliott as my pick and Matt Kenseth as my dark horse. And there you go, folks. You have our picks. You have our predictions. And as always, we would like for you and invite you to send us your picks. Send us who you think is going to win. Send us who you think is going to make it into the next round. Let us know, as Tam said, she'll post this question on all our social media, but let us know who you think is not going to make it into the next round. We always appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to our podcast. We really appreciate the support. We really appreciate the feedback. Please hit us up. You can find us on our own personal social media. You can find me at it's Renee Garcia on all my social media, my Twitter, my Instagram, and my Snapchat at I-T-S-R-E-N-E-G-A-R-C-I-A at It's Renee Garcia. And Tam, where can they find you? You can find me at I am Sincerely Tam on Instagram, Twitter, and the Snap, Snap, Snapchat. I like that, Tam. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> As always, folks, thank you for listening. And we will see you again next week here on another episode of All Turns, No Breaks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 